Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he's Regal View's new power caller, it's Arturo Zurita. Do Mexicans get a white voice? <laughs> Is it a brown voice? I don't know, what voice? Tell you to... Yeah, I guess it, it could work, although it, was, it didn't seem like there was like a, an Asian version. There wasn't. <laughs> well, that's, a, that's an interesting point because they bring that up there. One of the funniest lines in the movie is when they say, yo, Italians are white. Since when have Italians been white? <laughs> so, what, years. so what Dude, constitutes that was as white to some people? I think perfect. that's a little interesting. But, uh, yeah. Anyways, joining us is a white man coming from the state. <laughs> Chase, y'all have seen him on the show before. He's been on mm-hmm. here. Chase, say hi to the people. Hi, people. How we doing? <laughs> Welcome back, Chase. Uh, it's always good to have you on to talk stuff with us in a little bit. We'll get into this year's batch of Emmy nominees, as well as the exciting cast announced for Why the Last Man. But first, what? we're starting the way we start every <laughs> week here on the Whoa. Okay, prepare. Whoa. <laughs> Art, what have you been watching? We'll talk about Why the Last Man soon. Hi, I'm pregnant. By the way, what do you want to eat later? No, you don't want to eat something like that. But what I have been watching, uh, damn, uh, what have I been watching? I finished The Sinner on Netflix. I uh, oh, definitely want to make a video I saw, on that. Uh, that was Twitter, Twitter recommended that to you. Yeah, dude, I was, so I just clicked, you know, I was scrolling through stuff and I see The Sinner pop up. It was like on trending or whatever it is on Netflix. I was like, yeah, I gotta check this out. Jessica Biel's in it. Jessica Biel's like one of my earliest crushes. She's the reason why I love bangs on one, like, well, I, I love her. I think she's perfect. Uh, Justin Timberlake, if anything ever happens. To so I, I clicked on this show. You you guys know anything about it? No. Uh, all I know is that Jessica Biel looks like she's in mourning in the trailers. Yes, 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 yes. I knew nothing about this show. I thought it was a Netflix original. I didn't know it was a part of USA thing. Click on it. First 10 minutes, she's just like a depressed mom. Uh, your boy from James White. I'm forgetting what his name is. And he's been in a couple of movies. He was just recently in... Uh... Christopher Abbott? Yes! It, he's yeah. recently in It Comes he's at Night. It Comes at Night. He was the... Yeah, yeah, the fam- the other dad that comes yes. through. Him and uh, Raul, Raul Castillo, the dude from uh, We the Animals is coming up. That guy who I've been saying... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, this, yeah, yeah. Same yeah, way I hold that up. guy up. I hold this guy up. To me, they are equal. You got the Hispanic version. You got... I think he's white. I don't know what he is. He can play like anything. That dude stands out. So I'm like, all right, let's watch this thing. He plays the husband. I'm not going to spoil anything. First 10 minutes, you're like, all right, she's depressed. Wow. Look at her. Look at her shower. Look at her get into the water in the beach. She's, it's a baptism of sorts because she's, she's depressed. and she's. Then something happens 15 minutes in, and uh, I binge the entire thing. I don't spoil that, it. That hooked you? Damn. No, you have no idea. I, I, it's one of those things that when you see it, you show the first 15 minutes to several people just because you want to see their reaction. That's the best I can give you because then I kill your reaction by telling you what happens. I'm already killing it by letting you know that there's something. Yeah. Can I? You still sold me. <laughs> can I get maybe like tonally? Is there a show or a movie or a something that you can compare it to? Just in tone, maybe not in a maybe plot? like a seven seconds type of thing where it's okay, like a trial. It's like a trial that's happening. Interesting, and there's different perspectives. And yes, stuff. exactly. Interesting. Bro, I recommend this a lot. And, you know, Jessica Biel is very attractive. In terms of uh, the movies and theaters, I saw in front of bed. I know we'll be coming there in a little bit. So, yeah. honestly, when it just comes to that, I can't remember if I've seen any movies recently. What came out last week? 
Uh, what was the skyscraper? <laughs> yeah, oh, skyscraper. I'm not talking about skyscraper. I'm not Hotel, Transylvania Hotel Transylvania three. I saw Summer vacation. Both. Someone gets anally probed in Hotel Transylvania, so that's the only thing I will say. There's really? One of the, the demons. Dude, demons. I'm added to the letterbox watch list right now. He goes straight into a branch, but butt first. So there is that. Skyscraper is just is dumb. Uh, so yeah, that's what I've been watching. You guys? Chase? Uh, yeah, I haven't watched anything like mind blowing recently, but I did get to see Leave No Trace, uh, the new film from Deborah Granick. Yeah. Uh, this was actually one of my most anticipated of the year recently, just because I saw Winner's Bone for the first time a couple months ago, and I was expecting like a good movie because I heard good things. I loved Winner's Bone to the point yeah. I think I love it more than a lot of people, mm-hmm. just because really? I loved how it was like this gangster redneck movie that felt like real like it didn't feel like a movie that's what i like about her style they feel like this real life situation yeah uh i just really loved everything about it honestly uh it made me check out her documentary stray dog which is about one of the villains that are one of the actors that plays a villain in winter's bone and his life uh dealing with ptsd from being a vietnam war vet uh one of my favorite documentaries of the decade probably really underrated highly recommend that but uh that made me really want to check out leave no trace uh, I went in really not knowing anything, and I came out, it's my least favorite of the three that I've seen from her, but I think it's still a pretty solid movie, one of the stronger ones I've seen so far this year. Uh, I think what I loved about it the most was, like what I liked with Winter's Bone, it felt like a real-life scenario, it didn't feel like a movie, which I think really fits Granite's style a lot really well. Uh, it felt like a much more subtle version of Captain, Captain Fantastic. Fantastic. Fantastic, yes. I think Captain Fantastic's definitely better. Like, I'd rather watch that than this. Same thing for me. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was, it was just a solid movie. I didn't think there was anything... I feel kind of the same way I felt with Avengers Infinity War, honestly. But I didn't think I had any problems with it. It was it, like It's a, not, like, <laughs> as whimsical or, like, kind of fun. There, there's nothing happened. similar tonally between them, for sure. Yeah, but. I was going to say, because coming from Winter's Bone, that'd be yeah. a hard left turn. Yeah, exactly. But, um... In terms of, I didn't really have any problems with either, like Infinity War or this. Uh, I thought I think they're both good. I just wasn't blown away by either of them. If that yeah. makes any sense, I think the performances are really good. I think the story's solid. I just like how it felt like a real experience. You know, I didn't have anything to complain about. You don't have to rush out to see it, but if it's on TV or something, you can check it out. Yeah, uh, and it's like nice to see Deborah Granick making a movie again since she hasn't done one since Winter's Bone. Yeah, it's been like eight years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Uh, that was, I think, one of the better-reviewed movies from the first, like, quarter, third of the of 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's available now on VOD in some places. I could be wrong. Do you see yeah, it in I saw it in theaters. Yeah. Okay, so theaters still. Uh, for what I've been watching, uh, Art, did you finish season two of Glow? Should we get yes, that? I did. Or yes, I did. Week? All right, so yeah, uh, I think we can officially say that I think this is a superior season to season one and the show is just in a really good place right now uh i'm very curious what they're going to do with season three because there's a big thing that happens towards the end but uh it doesn't make the experience of season two any less fun you get a glimpse into all these different characters lives you learn a little bit more about them it's it's a fun hangout show Uh, there's not one character who i really want to spend less time with and allison brie is just so so good uh, in that central role of Ruth doing her Zoya character. There's Zoya. a injury she has to deal with this <laughs> season that they, I think they find really creative ways to kind of keep her I involved. I did not see that coming in, yeah. 
Yeah, it, it was really. I found myself getting choked up on that last episode. Uh, so I'm I'm really into Glow. I hope everybody catches up with that. I ended up uh, liking uh, the first half better than the second half. First half of season two. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a weird thing happening in the second half of season two, where they're kind of preparing for an event, and it feels almost like they're they're quitting. You know, there's a little bit of like a... Some tone shift happened, I can't really... A little bit of a shift in tone that it not as fun as when they're all working together. But I think uh, season three is still going to be uh, fun, so I'm, I'm curious. Uh, oh, wow. That episode, eight or nine, I can't remember what it is. Which episode? That? Episode eight or nine, I can't remember what it is. Oh, I think it's eight, the one where they do the episode. Yes, the episode we were talking about, it delivered. Pretty much, yeah. it doesn't spoil it, but to hype it up, the whole episode is done from the perspective of an uh, actual taping of Glow, the wrestling match. Genius. And they do a really great job. I think a lot of times you see fake TV shows on real TV shows, and the joke is how fake it is or whatever. This this felt like something that could be on air in the 80s. Horsing around? Yeah, exactly. So uh, I like Glow a lot. Uh, also, there's the new Jody Hill film up on Netflix. I don't know if either of you guys are particularly into Jody Hill and his collaborations with Danny McBride, but The Legacy of a Whitetail Deer Hunter uh, just came uh, out on Netflix this weekend. Uh, it stars Josh Brolin, who's having a very, very oh, busy Oh, I did see that. Yeah, as a, as a deer hunter who's trying to show his son the ways of the wild and help him kill his first deer, but realizing that... His son has got some different interests and is maybe not quite as interested into in the outdoor lifestyle uh, that he loves so much. It's a pretty typical father-son story. There's a little bit of the vulgarity that makes Danny McBride and Jody Hill so much fun, uh, but it's a lot more sentimental than their stuff like Foot Fist Way or uh, any of their work on Eastbound and Down. And for me, that kind of just took took the edge off in a way that made it less fun. I can't really recommend it unless you're a big fan of Danny McBride or uh, Jody Hill's directorial work. Uh, but that's on Netflix, so it's there for people who are interested. I've never heard of this man in my life. <laughs> I'll take a look. <laughs> I've never seen he's bounded down either. He did uh, Observe and Report. That's probably his biggest. He did Observe and okay. Report? Okay. Oh, well, yeah. I never cared about Observe and Report, I guess. Yeah, and then there's a... Uh, the two HBO shows. But I did see that because I saw him pop out. You're right. Josh Brolin is like in freaking everything this year. Everything (laughs) for whatever reason. Yeah. I mean, between Deadpool 2, Infinity War, Sicario. Yeah. He's going to us with Sundance. I mean, like he's just everywhere, you know? He's pulling uh, Amy Adams in 2012 or whatever. Alicia Vikander, 2015. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, uh, that's what we've been watching. Let us know what you've been watching in the comments down below. We're going to move ahead to the yay or nay and talk about the latest happenings in the entertainment industry, starting with, you ready, Art? Highly regarded comic book series, Why the Last Man, has been looking for a television home for several years. But it appears that things are in motion at FX with some actors getting cast into key roles. Set to play Yorick is ya boy, Dunkirk, and American Animals star Bar- <laughs> Barry Keegan, oh, otherwise known as somebody. Joel Edgerton Jr. <laughs> Imogen Boots will play Yorick's sister, Hero, 
And Diane Lane will portray a senator in this post-male world. Another actress that I like, Sneaky Pete's Marin Ireland, is on board as well. Uh, I was going to ask Art, but I think he's going on a scavenger hunt, so Chase. <laughs> what, uh, uh, is this a cast fit for a Why the Last Man show? Here's the thing. Art was freaking out in the beginning of this. I have no idea like, <laughs> what this is. But, what, all right, Art knows what it is, clearly, right, but... Right, right, listen, shut up, Chase. So, <laughs> Why the Last Man is my favorite comic of all time. Uh, I want to say two years ago for my birthday, my girlfriend hunted down a number one issue of it. I've been trying for the longest time to collect all of them. This is my favorite comic book of all time. Easily. It's a series. I, I, I want to say, I don't know how many in total, maybe 50 and 60, and I read the entire trade back, but I wanted to collect every single issue. So she got me number one. Is it still active? Did they end the series? Oh, no, no, no. That's been done for a while. Because my man's okay. moved on to a bunch of other stuff, including Saga, which I am also a big fan of. <laughs> she also got me the number one of this, but this one got graded and everything, so that's super special. I'm going to put that right there. Yeah, I read the first book in Why the Last Man. I enjoyed it quite a lot. I'm not a big comic book reader, but even I got around to it and enjoyed it. I adore the series, the series being about why, being the last man, him and his monkey, who uh, go and they like, they're pretty much exploring the world and there's it's he ends up in all of these different towns that uh, that you know after all the men have died and, and whatnot. I have yeah. to read it. All the all the world's men have died except for Yorick and his uh-huh. pet Now, I remember a couple of years ago when this was slated to be made and then it didn't, and I was yeah, keeping yeah. up with that like that like for <laughs> every single thing, different directors were put on it. Shia LaBeouf was supposed to be. The uh, the guy for this. Just want to remind y'all, I have number one issue right there, okay? Uh, <laughs> and then it never went anywhere. I got so mad because I thought, that's it. There's never going to be one made. Yeah, I think it was in that like post Walking Dead being a huge, huge hit that every television network was like, okay, which comic book are we going to turn into our hit? And Why the Last Man is another one of those kind of like, is, am I wrong to call it like an alt? comic famous thing because it's it's not you know marvel dc oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's, uh, it's vertigo so vertigo yeah. is it, vertigo is the subsidiary yo did they do uh fables yes well, yes, 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 yes 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 i'm for this then. vertigo would be what fox yes. searchlight is for fox you know right. that's dc's mm-hmm. like sister company that does all of these super dope comics why the last man being one of the best ones uh so when it when it first didn't come through I thought that's a good thing, because yeah. what if they were rushing it? Now I'm really excited for this, but now I'm thinking this the complete opposite. When I was reminded on what it's about, every man dies, <laughs> and women take over. I love this series. Times are different. <laughs> this series handles it so well. So what was once a fear of them rushing it and not making it a good thing. I hope it's not for another reason and that's why it's coming out. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully, you know, there is still that core script there. It's not necessarily oh, Zach, like... you ain't getting this. The last time I was upset, physically <laughs> upset, was The Dark Knight Rises. Come around to that a bit. Yeah. I don't believe in love or expectations anymore. <laughs> Except for this right here, Zach. <laughs> so, no, so no love for your boy, Barry Keegan? Your spaghetti-eating, killing of a sacred deer, dude? No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. Oh, wait, is that who's playing it? I wasn't listening. I was getting my yeah. stuff. What I'm saying is, 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 it's very, after The Dark Knight Rises, which, and I, and I don't hate it, but, but 
I don't get excited for stuff. I sound like a yeah. heartbroken individual. I'm kind of the yeah, same way. For Chase get exactly, and Chase gets what I'm talking mm. about. You know what I mean? Mm. But this this is different because I was able to say goodbye to this, not thinking, okay, well, you'll never hurt that again. You know what I mean? You can't kill my child twice. Is what I'm saying. Mm. So what I, I I'm excited for it. You're gonna have to repeat who's in it. But yeah. if that gets messed up. I'm going to look like a fool for all the Last Jedi people, all the Batman v Superman people, because, bro, as rational as people think I'm on my channel, I'm going to go like that if they mess yeah. this up. Because I right, can admit so, it. So we got uh, Barry Keegan, Joel Edgerton Jr., as you like to call him, as Yorick, Imogen Poots as Yorick's sister, Hero, and Diane Lane portraying a senator. As well as uh, Marin Ireland is going to be in the cast as well. Who's playing the monkey? <laughs> Maybe uh, the Hangover monkey. I don't know. Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> I've always thought it would have been better as a miniseries. Uh, any directors attached to it? I don't know. I don't believe so right now. Uh, F FX. FX being. The FX the, TV channel? Yeah. This is a TV movie. No, it's a show. Oh, it is a show. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's exactly how I want it to be. <laughs> okay, good. FX has the American Crime Stories. Yes. FX has uh, American Horse. You see how I'm like trying to like make sure that it's all good? <laughs> FX also did a really, really good job. I, I, I feel like I can see you cross. Right, you can be like, like, no, this is good, this is good. <laughs> I heard good things about Legion. People, People like Sons of Anarchy. It, FX has fairly consistently for like t almost 20 years now FX has Atlanta. Solid, solid TV. FX has no bad shows, right? <laughs> no, they yeah. don't have any bad shows. <laughs> Everything that they make is good, story. so there should be no reason for this to be bad. I feel yeah. like I've never expressed my love for Why the Last Man that much. <laughs> like I've talked about Cloverfield, Batman, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Series yeah. unfortunate of that. Well, you never had the opportunity to. Yeah. We learn new things about each other every single week. <laughs> that is wild. Okay. You ready to move on? <laughs> I guess. I, I don't care about anything else. In this <laughs> District 9 filmmaker Neil Blomkamp never got to make his Alien movie, but he might be involved in another beloved remake of a sci-fi franchise. Rumors are that the director will helm RoboCop Returns, a sequel and reboot to the original franchise. This movie would presumably ignore the 2014 robot, RoboCop reboot. So Chase, yay or nay, you're intrigued by the Chappie filmmaker potentially <laughs> the Chappie filmmaker. rebooting RoboCop. Here's the thing. This man just like wants to make sequels and erase everything before. Like, this is what he wanted to do with Alien. He wanted to make like the real Alien 3, you know? My, I'll be my straight theory up. is that yeah. Neil Blomkamp is just the world's best fan filmmaker. That's a very good way to put it. <laughs> that's a fair point. <laughs> like, he's just that dude that's like, let's make the Assassin's Creed movie with parkour people. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I've never seen RoboCop, actually. So I can't, like, be as a fan, like, oh, this could potentially be great, blah, blah, blah. I just know Neil Blomkamp made a pretty good movie with District 9. I don't think it's... At least I'm not on the level of other people that love it. I think it's pretty good. Uh, Elysium and Chappie, I thought were fine when I saw them, but like I instantly forgot both of them. Yeah. So, I mean, if he wants to do a RoboCop Returns, go for it. But 
I, I mean, I, I'm really neutral. Like, I don't have any positive or negative reactions to it that much. Uh, <laughs> I see you're choked up about it. Uh, I think it's kind of weird to ignore the one that literally just came out in 2014. Yeah. Uh, we had just yeah, talked weird. about this yesterday to plug uh, Chillin' with mm. Chase. I was on his podcast yesterday, which is why he's on this one today. <laughs> Works out. I was like, it's like, hey, you know, get on tomorrow's. Um, we had talked about this yesterday. He'll plug his stuff later on, but it's weird. I know other stuff has done it. Texas Chainsaw Massacre did that. You know? Recently, mm. Spider-Man. Spider-Man? <laughs> did the recent remake? No, no, no. I don't mean remakes. I mean, like, oh. ignoring, ignoring, like, Reboots and going sequels. back to saying it's a sequel. Of Isn't that what Halloween's uh, doing too? That oh, Halloween, Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, like that. Yes. You know what I mean? Because yeah, reboots happen. We're used to that. Yeah. But a reboot ignoring something to go back to something that was rebooted right, because right. you're yeah. starting it new. Like it's weird. To with the new Indiana Jones too. Are they doing ignore. that too? Yeah. Well, Shia's not going to be in it, so. Oh yeah, they're, like they're they're ignoring parts that that was never like yeah. a side project. That was a main thing. It's weird. Yeah. It's like you make the seventh grade, and then you're like, you know what? I want to go back to second grade right. and just redo that and go from there. It's weird. I don't get it. I don't get it. But uh, I am excited for Why the Last Man, and whenever that comes out, I'll be sure to watch it. So, <laughs> Indie veteran Jim Jarmusch, who previously tackled vampires with his film Only Lovers Left Alive, is set to make a zombie film titled The Dead Don't Dine. Many actors who've worked with the director before are set to join him for this one, including Bill Murray, Adam Driver, Tilda Swinton, Steve Buscemi, and Chloe Sevigny. But Selena Gomez is among the other names attached to this cast. Art, yay or nay, you're intrigued by a low-key Jim Jarmusch take on zombies. Yeah. I enjoy Jim Jarmusch. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't say I like, fully adore him. Yeah, I mean, I think he doesn't really make movies that you... Like love, it's like oh that was nice, that was that was mm. interesting. Two things with it: one, uh, Selena Gomez reprising a role from the Hotel Transylvania trilogy as the uh, <laughs> the daughter of Dracula, and two being that Jim Jarmusch, uh, is that how you say his last name? Yes, is a person I respect a lot more than his than I would ever love in his films. Did you know Jim? You know what I'm talking about, right? Mm -hmm. You know your boy Jim owns all of his movies. Yeah. You know your boy Jim independently produces all of his stuff because he goes and he films it in a different country and he tells them, look, I will give you the distributing rights for this if you give me like a hundred grand of whatever else. And he does that for like, he's that man who goes, hey, well, by the way, the people over in Germany gave me this much. Hey, Sweden, if you give me this much, whatever, whatever, yeah. whatever. Now, this dude is like indie filmmaking before indie filmmaking was like a thing. No, he's the goat when it comes mm. to that. Like the behind the yeah. scenes stuff. He owns all of his movies because he refuses a studio to one. He made Patterson, right? Yeah. I actually, yeah. Uh, Patterson's one of my favorite stuff. I really love that movie. Yeah, I love how it begins. Great. I love how it ends. Um, he doesn't want the studio to interfere with the movies that he's making. And he wants to own the movie. You know, like if let you know, you know, like when a movie wins the Oscar, and it's not the director grabbing it; it's always the producer. Right. Unless the director was the producer, it's like kind of weird because oh yeah, they don't own the movie. He's like, no, these are my babies. I own them all. Like he, he in his possession is the original, like actual cut or film or whatever it is. That is so dope. Look into this man. So I'm glad he's making another movie so we can mention that. That's like a whole video yeah. essay worth uh, on this man's whole journey. So yeah, I'm excited just to see him continue making stuff. Yeah, I mean, Only Lovers Left Alive was a bit of a strange turn from him. He normally makes very humanist movies, and it, Only Lovers Left Alive was 
I guess you can call it like a humanist vampire film if you want to. It, it really took the idea of like how what existential crisis would these several century old if you're living for so long uh and i think that's a kind of perspective that might make me actually interested in zombie stories whereas i'm i'm all out on walking dead style smash yeah so unfriended dark web comes out this weekend but you may need to see it more than once to get the full experience (laughs) reports are that the film will be screened in theaters with two separate endings and no warning to audiences beforehand on which of the two endings they'll get to see. Chase, yay or nay, is this a compelling release strategy? Um, I'm, I'm yay for the concept. I'm nay because it's unfriended too. Just because, um, I mean, they did this with Clue, even though it wasn't like around when Clue came out. But uh, I remember watching DVD and you could like pick the endings or whatever. That was cool. I, I, I do like the idea, but I hated the first unfriended. I'm, I'll still see Unfriended 2 just for, like, the story and just, like, get value out of it from laughing. Yeah, but I'll, I'll let you know what ending I get because I'll be seeing it. Yeah. It's, it's a little weird, though. Are they, like, letting people know? No, I heard no one knows. heavily advertised things. I haven't seen it in any of the trailers. I mean, I like what's a projectionist who leaked it. Yeah. So I guess they're going off social media. I mean, it is literally social media movie, so I guess that's what they're going off. But you're right. People, uh, mass, we're, we're film fans. That's how we know. But, like, the majority of people won't know that. Mm. Yeah. So I guess they want it to spread by word of mouth. Maybe they're doing it things like, all right, you'll see it the first time. And then people will be like, wait, there's a second ending two weeks later, and they want to come back to it. They want to play that long game with the boost of sales. I've seen it. This is the mm-hmm. dumbest thing in the world. <laughs> uh, without any spoilers, I'm playing to you this. I have a, a little bit of a personal bias against Unfriended because I feel like they made this movie once Searching was getting the hype. <laughs> and a lot of people, and I've said this, people who don't like Searching, a lot of the biggest complaint was, oh, this is a gimmick mm. because of the Unfriended movies. Yeah. And I go, that's right. the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You can't just say it's a, no, that's, no. And I feel like Unfriended is like, bro, let's put out a sequel, rush it, mm. release it in July, literally two weeks before Searching comes out. So then the attention is on us. How can we get even more attention? Make it the two... And that kind of ticks me off because I'm just looking into the future, right? Three intercut podcasts from now. Mm-hmm. If the reception that I see for searching is people talking smack because of Unfriended, mm-hmm. I'm going to be a little mad. Yeah. That being said, I also saw the movie, <laughs> and I think there is a very interesting ending that they go for. I think you guys will be like, oh, that's kind of cool. But the problem with having two endings is that the endings changed, mm. not the everything before the movie. And as I was watching the movie, I was like, okay, this ending is kind of cool, but there's a lot of things that contradicted that because, oh, wait, those are for the second ending. <laughs> and I'm talking they are drastically two different things. You literally cannot have your cake and eat it too. I, I wish I can come up with an example right now of how that doesn't yeah. make sense. I mean, you're hoping that there would be some kind of dramatic cohesion, that it, it's... It doesn't play out like it's There's no cutting the whole movie. Yeah. There's a cool concept in there, but it doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah. I know video games do I a actually, lot. I actually kind of like the first Unfriended. I, this one looks... What? It's fun. Yeah, the, this Gosh, one does, doesn't fun. look fun in the same way. And I mean, I think this is a potentially compelling release strategy, but it seems weird the way they're hiding it. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm, it's in the dark I'm, web. I think there's more <laughs> to the story here. And what? Yeah. All right, we'll get into the we'll get into the rough cuts and then move on to our topic. There's only one we, ending. They just lied. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, in an update to a bit of news we talked about on last week's show, Scarlett Johansson has dropped out of Rub and Tug, the movie in which she was set to star as a trans man and Pittsburgh crime boss. Art pulled out. Yay or nay. <laughs> Yay or nay, uh, the Verge headline was the favorite one you read. That yes, time. it was. Yes, it was. Uh, reports are that Billy D. Williams is set to return to a galaxy far, far away in the upcoming Star Wars Episode Nine Chase. Yay or nay, bringing back more characters will help the next installment of the Skywalker saga. I have no idea if it's going to help it, but like, I feel like it was expected. Like, people were shocked that this was happening. Oh, I was yeah. like, I think it was like a safe bet that he was going to show up at some point. And, yeah, yeah, not only not only that, but uh, you know, real life spoiler: we don't have. Carrie Fisher to exactly. be in this movie, so need somebody. Uh, they're kind of replace her with something, mm-hmm. somebody. Exactly. I mean, the main three are dead, kind of now, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in different universes. But I, I see this right now. You can mark this down. I, I just, I feel like it's too obvious to go down this route. But I just see old Billy D. He's flying into the fourth Death Star in the Millennium Falcon, and he kamikazes it and saves the world. Did that already. I know, but he's going to kill himself this time with the Millennium Falcon. Said- that blows up, and that's how it happens. I see it. I told you I what happens. It. He's going to fight a Russian and die. <laughs> <laughs> I see it. Uh, and finally, July 16th is Amazon's Prime Day, a day full of discounts across the website, which increases traffic to Amazon, but oh. apparently slows down access to Amazon's Prime Video services really? with movies and TV shows failing to load or play. Art, yay or nay, this is something that could hurt Amazon's competition with the other streaming services. No, Bezos is worth $150 billion. It was announced today. I was trying to search up coffee. Amazon sells their own version of coffee, their own version of vitamins. They sell their own pharmaceuticals. Amazon's going to take over the world. I'm going to make a video on this. I'm going to look completely crazy. But Amazon is what is in the Pixar theory. That, that You know what I'm talking about? The, the big, mm. big, the by and large? <laughs> yeah. That's dumb. They're going to take over a world. Everyone's confused about Skynet or whatever. They're talking about... That's Amazon. Amazon already has a movie streaming <laughs> services. They own the delivery game. They just started an Amazon Uber type of thing. They're creating their own products. Y'all need to be careful. So they're going to make your house. <laughs> they have access to your house with that Amazon lock and key thing. Yeah. But we're all going to renew our subscription. <laughs> Two-day shipping, dude. Yeah. It's going to be the worry-free of the future. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so uh, those, that does it for our yay or nay topics. Let us know what you thought of all of this news in the comments down below. We're going to move ahead to our topic of the week. Unlike the Oscars, with its fairly simple list of 24 categories, the Emmys' long list of nominees can be tough to get through, and we probably don't have the time to break down every single category, but there are a few major awards and uh, trends and nominations that we want to get into here so let's start with the end of an era with 112 nominations across all of its shows netflix surpassed hbo as the network with the most nominations at this year's emmys hbo was close behind with 108 nominations of its own (laughs) but this breaks hbo's 17 year streak of having the most nominations out of any network a record they've held since the days of the sopranos and sex in the city Chase, start us off. What do you think about the end of HBO's 17-year run and what that says about television today? Uh, I think it just shows Netflix is, like, becoming the Amazon, you know, of the streaming in a way. Just because 
yeah, they'll make the Adam Sandler ridiculous six, but then they're making money. They'll throw out a Stranger Things. They'll throw out a House of Cards before everything went down with that. They have quality shows. I'll be honest, I have not been caught up with TV at all over the past like year. I'm so behind on like all Netflix's like newer stuff that I hear. Like I hear um, American Vandal from Art all the time. It's something it's I have good. to check out. Yep. Uh, BoJack, another one. I mean, Glow is Netflix, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, look, there's a ton that I just have not watched yet, and I'm looking forward to watching it at some point. But, I mean, HBO, I've always been a fan of theirs just because I think HBO is just full of quality. Quality, yeah. Uh, I'm personally biased because I love stuff like Game of Thrones and Westworld, but I also love their comedy. Like, Kirby Enthusiasm is easily top three shows for me. Another uh, one that got nominated for yeah. Outstanding Comedy Series. And I still haven't watched the new season. I'm that far yeah. behind, so... I mean, I don't really care. It's just more good shows. I don't really care who it comes from, personally, but it's just how it is. Art, this is something we've talked about, how uh, the increasing domination of Netflix in the television realm. Bro, even, uh, what was it, Handmaid's Tale was the most nominated? Maybe I'm mistaken, but... That was, I think, last year. This year, uh, it got, it was the fourth most nominated. What, what were the, do you know what the tops were? Yeah, so I have that. Uh, the most nominated show was Game of Thrones with 22. Why? Saturday Night Live <laughs> and Westworld were close behind with 21 each, and then Handmaids had 20. Uh, but that's also getting into a lot of the technical awards. Yeah. Game of yeah, Thrones yeah, yeah. gets a lot of the, like, directing and casting and Big stuff ones. like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we've said this. When it comes to streaming, those are the ones that are, I guess, maybe taking a little bit more of the time. I feel like, and we'll dive into that a little bit more, uh, we did yesterday, the uh, voting process. And with so much shows, how can how can the voters watch it all? <laughs> so it makes me think, with so much content out there, it's whichever has the best campaign. Yeah. And, and there's definitely a, a bit of, you know, what shows are just popular enough the that everybody's watching them. Uh, you know, uh, I just mentioned Westworld has 21 nominations. It's the second most out of any show, and I... Don't think there's a lot of people who are going to say that Westworld is the second best show on TV right now. Not right uh, now, but, but it, wouldn't that be for season one? It, I think it was for. I think yeah, it's I think season it, two. I think. I feel like season it was nominated season, before. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is for season two. Oh, then it don't deserve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, I'm also. I also don't understand the concept of nominating something that hasn't finished up yet especially something so narrative yeah, exactly. you get what technically, i mean technically they submit episodes and not the whole season right. which again goes into that whole idea of like well you can't watch everything but still and, and i think it's weird I, I wouldn't know the difference in it streaming ass kind of figured that out release it all at once because yeah. the oscars we know the we know the line release yeah. your movie by this point grammys mm. is a little bit weird but they also have rollouts but the thing is that every other project is a boom TV shows are the only ones where it's a little bit mm. of a stilted release. And with such a stilted yeah. release, I feel I, I'm not too up on the Emmy rules that some people can pull a Taylor Swift where you can kind of go for whichever <laughs> year you want to go for yeah. and you can yeah. kind of decide depending on the competition. You know, what people play with the Golden Globes? I mean, there's comedy or drama. some kind of, some kind of a posture or like navigating around yeah. those deadlines and stuff. Oh, Game of Thrones uh, ain't premiering Game this Game of Thrones was ages ago. <laughs> well, that, that's the other thing, that Game of Thrones actually wasn't eligible at last year's Emmys because they took such a long hiatus. Veep isn't available, eligible at this year's Emmys because of their hiatus. So this is also going to be the first in many years where Julia Louis-Dreyfus isn't going to just mm. take the uh, Best Actress in a Comedy Award oh, no. just because... 
<laughs> just because Veep wasn't in this cycle. Uh, but yeah, we're getting into this uh, era of television where Emmys are kind of caught between streaming and the traditional release and it's sort of like, what are you getting nominated for? Some of these shows feel like they've been on ages ago and some of them feel brand new. The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, I already expressed my uh, disappointment at BoJack Horseman's snub in the animation category, uh, but Art, I know you're big on Let's Rick go. and Mort- Morty, and that got its first nomination for the Pickle Rick episode. Good for it, because uh, with, what is it, the 37 million more seasons that they got renewed for? I'm sure <laughs> we'll see more of it. Yeah. Can we talk about it? <laughs> what, Rick and Morty? No, can we talk about your boy Nathan? <laughs> oh, yeah, sure, talk about Nathan. We had this discussion yesterday as well. <laughs> <laughs> You're you watch them. I do. So you get it. Yeah. For those of you who are not informed about the whole uh, Nathan Fielder came out. Nathan, for you, you want to talk about Nathan for you? You want to break down Nathan for you? He has a show on Comedy Central, which is kind of a satire of those like I'm gonna save your business. Gordon Ramsay comes and helps your kitchen shows. Where, <laughs> where he knocks <laughs> these businesses by pitching them the most absurd ideas. And sometimes they actually work because they go viral. Yeah. It, it's a really weird show that plays They're on like, human awkwardness, but also is really brilliant in the way that it, it can highlight that. It's like uh, he's, I believe, had a realtor uh, advertise that she's the only realtor that sells ghost free homes in Los Angeles. <laughs> Uh, right, Chase. Come on. I told yeah. Chase about the bar one, where mm-hmm. the bar owner had, and again, he's playing like a heightened version of himself. These are real businesses. Mm-hmm. The thing is that he needs to find businesses that don't know that he's a show. Mm-hmm. I told Chase about the one where the uh, the bar owner was having trouble with their patrons because the new law says they can't smoke inside. He finds a loophole; <laughs> they can smoke inside as long as there's a theater production that's going on. So the bar patrons just go and they're smoking, not realizing that he's officially made it a theater production and is pay- charging people tickets to come see a, ch- a show. They're watching ba- bar patrons just smoke, but they think it's a production. The bar patrons think that that's just a weird VIP room. The bar patrons then give the theater production rave reviews because it's a slif- slice of life type of thing. Right. There's the uh, nerd writer video that's really, really good on this that he just put out. Yes. Uh, but on top of all of that is that he released a YouTube segment called How to Hack the Emmys, where he got this German dude, I want to say he was German, German hacker guy, comes in, breaks down how easily it is to obtain the list of Emmy voters. How easily it could be to hack into the Emmy voting system. And then <laughs> pretend to vote for certain people. Not that you should do that. That's a crime. But if you were a fan. <laughs> if you were a fan of Nathan Fielder, you can do that. That was hilarious. And I love how he did it a twofer. Hey, you can vote me in. But also, wow, this was really easy to hack into the system. If Nathan for you doesn't get nominated, then obviously they're completely whack. Don't believe this award ceremony because, yeah, this is dumb. That brings me to the next thing, and I was mentioning him to, to him uh, to Chase as well. Well, first of all, he never got nominated. He didn't get nominated. So it was yeah. clear that it was hacked. But <laughs> the whole other aspect to it is what we were talking about earlier. There's absolutely no way you can watch everything that is out there. Which then mm-hmm. leads me to believe well, 
the, that argument could be made for just about any award show. We've talked about that with the Oscars too, though. Yeah. Yeah, but that's it's my thing. It's just way harder with TV shows. Yeah, it's and, and so I get more. it. I don't know the loophole around it because you can't just hire regular fans and stuff like that, but I, I wish that there was a little bit more of an effort, especially when it comes down to... Um, these people are all friends. It brings me to the <laughs> other points of the uh, Emmy for Megan. Oh, yeah. So that's actually... I was going to bring that up because that is kind of similar to the Nathan For You situation. Yes. Uh, where Megan Amran, she's a pretty popular uh, writer on Twitter and uh, works for some sitcoms. She launched a campaign for her web series called An Emmy for Megan. All on uh, Vimeo. Where she, she put them out on Vimeo, met the bare minimum requirements, and made a show of meeting the bare minimum requirements to submit your campaign for Emmy eligibility. Got one billboard in Los Angeles and got an Emmy nomination. Girl has, woman, has six episodes all on Vimeo for free. They average a minute and a half as she lets you know that it's just, I'm just, uh, I'm just going to try to get an Emmy. Uh, one of them, one of the episodes literally just consists of her yelling or, or screeching a song. Another episode, mm-hmm. she's not even in it. It's just a bunch of celebrity friends she knows uh, sending her a video of it. She got a nomination. <laughs> Obviously, she didn't win the Emmy yet. She didn't win the Emmy yet, but it, being nominated is just as, as special. Uh, I think it's the coolest thing in the world. I love it. Yeah, I adore yeah. it. I think it's super dope. But just like when I find out Xavier Dolan also had a daddy who helped him up with some things, a little bit gets <laughs> taken away. You know, when I see an episode where he's got J.J. freaking Abrams. Mm. Yeah. Ryan, everybody hates him, Johnson. It makes me kind of go like, she kind of got an in, though. Yeah, you're not nobody. <laughs> it then makes me go back to that idea of some of these voters got to be friends, too. So when they're voting, it's not just what's the biggest campaign, but yo, that's my girl. Right. And, and you can look at some people like, I don't know, Lily Tomlin is one who, she's the only one nominated from, uh, what's that show, Frankie and Jack, uh, whatever, on Netflix. And she's someone who used to, I think, help run the Television Academy. So she's obviously got a lot of friends in the Television Academy. I checked. I checked Megan's thing. She used to write award bits for the Oscars. That's dope. Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, no, she's a very talented writer. She's worked award. on a lot. Of, she's on um, The Good Place, one of my favorite shows right now. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I don't know if you saw the whole Megan for You thing. The plot twist at the end of it. She actually does bring in a story at the end of it. <laughs> Another writer yeah. from The Good Place comes in. They have an interaction. But yeah. it just it makes me wonder that. Because do you know the other uh, um, nominees in that category? I don't, know. James Corden? For what was practically a vlog? Yeah. It's, it's all other celebrities who are just literally making like a YouTube version of their already established stuff within, which then makes me go... A regular person can even get into this, you know mm. what I mean? So yeah, I mean it's it's this weird thing. The Emmys are in a situation where where TV and what we know of as TV has been changing actively, you know, with web series and with streaming. The definition of what a TV series is is hard to put pin down, and so in an effort to compensate for that, they've come up with all these categories, you know, now uh, there's best title sequence, best intro for a, uh, which is cool, which which is cool, which is great. I like that. But then you get, you know, categories like this, where it's kind of easy to maybe do a little bit of category fraud and boost your numbers, which is for me, one of the reasons that I'm not so blown away by Netflix's 112 nominations, you know, 
if you look at the top of the line, like we said, the shows that have the most nominations, Westworld, Game mm. of Thrones, a lot of the top of the line stuff is still HBO. HBO has a, I think, quality promise mm. that Netflix doesn't give you. Netflix, there's a very big uh, differential in w the quality of the shows they're putting out there. And yeah, if you put out a lot of shows, you're going to compete for all the different categories. I saw that um, a stand-up special that I liked recently, Steve Martin and Martin Short, got two nominations in random categories. No. Good, good for that, but like, that's not the quality of programming that HBO gives you. And I still think, despite ending its streak, HBO remains the king of quality. 1,000%. You bring up a great point. HBO and all these other shows are kind of limited to the amount they could put out in a year, no? Don't they need mm -hmm. slots? Yeah. yeah. And, and not only that, HBO only airs part of its schedule as new stuff. Yeah. They don't put new shows on at 3 a.m. on a Sunday. Yeah. So, you mm -hmm. can, so HBO's not really making that much content. So when you look Netflix. at it, they announce a new show for, like, the season. Yeah. Is Netflix not coming out with a new show every week? Every Friday. <laughs> So what would the math be on that and how many times more to any network, not HBO, but ABC, yeah. Fox's three channels combined. That they need like the ratio of the ratio. Like, screen time produced. The amount Emmys. of nominations that they're able to. Yeah, the amount of times that they've, <laughs> that they've been refreshing the screen because they have so many ones that diminishes that 119 even more. It actually makes you go, that's it. Right. Well, that being, you know, and I guess to give Netflix some credit, they got their first Emmy win in 2013. So this has been a fairly mm. quick rise yeah, to the top. Yeah, that's cool. But yeah, it's, it, I guess some of it comes down to, are we talking about quantity of television or quality of television? Mm -hmm. And I don't think that Netflix surpassing HBO's run here uh, indicates that they've surpassed HBO in quality, even though mm. this is award, an award show about the best TV. Facts. Still pretty good achievement, though, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Netflix has a lot of my favorite shows. Uh, mm -hmm. American Vandal, even though it didn't get into a lot of categories, did get a writing nomination. Mm -hmm. Dope. Yeah. Um, but some of the shows that did best in comedy... Well, uh, let me back up a little bit, because uh, HBO wasn't the only streak to end with the recent spat of Emmy nominations. After eight consecutive nominations for Outstanding Comedy Series, Modern Family finally missed out not only on that nomination, but any nominations, including for its writing and acting. Why? Which it normally... Hmm? I thought it was because it ended. It's actually just didn't yeah, get nominated. It was eligible. It just didn't get nominated. Okay, so let's talk about that real quick. <laughs> get out of here, right? I was saying... So, uh, I said on my live stream, I'm sweating more than Papa John's when he was forced to say the N-word. <laughs> <laughs> Does a show like Modern Family get nominated every, every, every year? Did all of a sudden just... Has that bad of a year? Or, I, I mean... Did someone in Modern Family take off some of the voters? <laughs> I Maybe people are just tired of it. Just I randomly, one I year. Mean, it, it, maybe it's been going down because it, it won the first couple of years and it's only been getting nominated recently, so mm. I, I, don't, I don't know. I just think cable like TV shows are just dying in general, like especially over the next 10 years, like NBC, ABC, all these places, no one's going to watch any of their stuff. You know, it's already in the direction of the HBOs, the Netflixes, but even like FX has shows like Atlanta and the upcoming comic book thing that are hyped about, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're, I mean, they're seven looking to the future. There's seven shows that were not nominated for Outstanding Comedy. Mm -hmm. Atlanta, Barry, Blackish, Curb Your Enthusiasm, 
Glow, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, I Can't Count, Silicon Valley, and Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Mm -hmm. So of those eight, not seven, mm. only one is a network show. Right. Uh, Blackish. The, the trend is going away from these general appeal shows, these like shows that have to produce 22 episodes. Yes. And going towards Kill these more nuanced, artistic uh, shows that are like Atlanta, which had 16 nominations this year. Barry, which had, I think, 13 of its own. Let's go. Uh, both, Net both Atlanta and Barry, I think, had two Best Writing nominations and two Best Directing nominations. Uh, so Bill Hader was nominated for Writing, Directing, Acting, and the show was nominated, so good for Bill Hader. Uh, yeah, I think that spate of comedies is a pretty solid one there. I, I, it's a little weird that Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt is there for, like, what's not a great season mm. of it. I mean, Atlanta's uh, he, there. <laughs> yeah, but at least we got Atlanta. We got Glow, which I was very happy to see. Uh, and Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is a very good Amazon show. I don't know mm. if you, you I haven't got it yet. No, no. Yeah. it's too many shows. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I feel the voters' uh, pain. <laughs> yeah. The Netflix shows that got the most nominations were Godless and The Crown with twelve oh. with twelve each, and uh, Stranger Things also I think got twelve. So you know, again, the, like the top of the line Netflix shows aren't quite as good as the top of the line HBO shows. True. Mm. I haven't finished Stranger Things 2 yet. <laughs> I was telling her I got to the episode where um, she goes into the gang territory. The uh, just talking about the other the girl powers, episode. and I was like, man, this is because I, yeah, I was really into Stranger Things. This is bad. I was like, this is yeah. a bad episode. I have not continued since. Yeah. All right. So that are most of our thought. Those are most of our thoughts on the Emmy nominations. Let us know what you thought of this year's batch of nominees in the comments down below. We're going to get to our final segment, the new to see, talk about what's new in theaters to streaming and on VOD, starting with July 20th, The Equalizer 2. Get it! <laughs> <laughs> it looks fun! Yeah. Sure. Bro, it looks fun! I'm always down for a Denzel movie. I don't always enjoy one, but I'm always down to see one. Uh, Mamma Mia, here we go again. Let's go. <laughs> Unfriended Dark Web. This is just the, the week of sequels that no one really asked for, I guess. Yeah, they're just dumping them. <laughs> uh, and then Blind Spotting. I think the most interesting movie new in theaters this weekend. Art, you caught this one at Sundance. I've had a chance to see it oh, here. Shit. I'm uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, it's. Uh, oh, get on our level, boys. <laughs> uh, it's David Diggs starring in a tale about a regular Oakland guy who is a on the last three days of his probation and does not want to go back to jail. I think it does a really good job of just sort of addressing the anxieties of living in a dangerous neighborhood and, 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 you know, straddling that line between like trying to live a life and not trying to get in trouble. Uh, I, and David Diggs is really, really good in it. There's some like rapping sections, I guess, that are a little bit unexpected, but I'm always there for David Diggs rapping on stuff. So, yeah, I like this one. Uh, also out in theaters in limited release, Damascus Cover, Far From the Tree, Generation Wealth, and McQueen. New to streaming on Netflix July 20th, Duck Duck Goose and Father of the Year. Then on July 22nd, An Education, which is a great Kyrie Mulligan coming-of-age performance alongside Peter Skarsgård. And Bolt, uh, which is known in my house as Lightning Flash Dog. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. 
on HBO now, July 19th, The Boy Downstairs. I saw this at its Tribeca Film Festival premiere last year and honestly remember very little from it other than liking Zosha Mamet and thinking it was otherwise unremarkable, but I could be wrong. July 20th, off the menu. July 21st, he gave you all the clues. The Snowman is available on HBO now. Finally, I get to check this out. <laughs> I've been waiting. <laughs> on Amazon, July 24th, How to Talk to Girls at Parties. On Hulu, July 20th, uh, you get July 19th, season two premiere of NBC's season two of Trial and Error. And then also on July 20th, Embrace of the Serpent. Art, did you see this one? I've not seen this one. This is like three, four hours long. I know it's on Amazon Prime or was on Amazon Prime. Yeah, so it's going to be on Hulu starting July 20th. Uh, it's a black and white story of an Amazonian named Karamakate. Uh, his land is being torn apart, and he befriends two white scientists. And it's one of the most visually compelling movies I've ever I gotta seen. I got to watch Just it. The cinematog- this black and white cinematography deep in the Amazon jungles, it, it looks gorgeous. Uh, so I would check that out. I thought it was captivating, even though it moves pretty slowly. July 21st, status update, and July 22nd, leaning into the wind. And then finally, new to VOD, July 17th, disobedience, shock and awe, and traffic. So, Art, uh, start us off. What is your pick for the week? All right, if you guys are going out into theaters, uh, I would recommend Sorry to Bother You as it expands a bit more. But since this one is also getting just a little bit more of a release, I believe it's going limited in the big cities, and then it'll be going more blind spot. Oh, you had mentioned wow. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had seen this one at Sundance, and I enjoyed it. It is a little bit different when it comes to the rapping, but it wasn't as as I was prepared for it. So I'm prepping you as well. People are like, "Oh, the rapping comes out of nowhere." Having known that, I guess it wasn't that strange to me when I when I, when I saw it happening. Yeah. But it fits within the story, and it's a very uh, aggressive type of thing. It isn't just like it isn't a musical type of thing. Before it gets to, like, the final rap moment, everything prior to that is, like, friends going, all right, we're going to move this. Who's this? We got to do this. Yeah, type of thing. Yeah, like, they they rap for fun to kill the time. If you know David Diggs, you know, with Hamilton and um, Clipping, which is his group, the man raps, so to not have him... To not have him do that bit is, like, getting Wiz Khalifa for a feature and not getting his lap. It don't make no damn sense. I would recommend Blind Spotting. I think it's an enjoyable movie and it has some stuff to say. The uh, N-word scene I thought was very interesting between the, the two main characters, which yeah. is kind of the poster of the movie. Favorite scene of the film, which is up there just like with the uh, insult compliment scene from Sorry to Bother You, would be the retelling of a scene in Blind Spotting, if you know what I'm talking about. When yeah. an individual comes in and says, so what happened was, I think... <laughs> That scene is funnier than any of Michael Pena's scenes in both of the Ant-Man movies. <laughs> and if you enjoy both of those, then you're going to enjoy it even more. Yes, yes. That's a good comparison to make. That is also my favorite part of Blind Spotting. Uh, I would highly recommend people check that out as well. And then yes. Chase, what well, is well, 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 Let me give it a, oh. uh, The Center at Home. That's it. Go ahead, Chase. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you, you talked about that earlier in the show. The center, you're, yeah. you're all in on The Center. Mm-hmm. The Center at Home. So Blind Spotting in theaters, cool. Center at Home. Go ahead, Chase. Okay. Uh, I've not seen this yet, but it's coming to my area this week. Eighth Grade is a film I've been nice. waiting for. And here's the thing. I, Art knows I avoid trailers like the plague. This trailer came on before a movie. I was like, okay, I'm into it. I went to like a Catholic school in elementary school. And during religion class, my nun teacher would play this soundtrack that was ridiculous during religion tests. And it would be like these voices that would be like, Stay away, stay away, stay. And I was like, and I was always laughing at that. 
And then this this trailer comes on. Get transported right back to elementary and school. I I sit there and all because my sister had the same class and we look at each other. We're like, that is the Sister Arlene song. And from that point on, I know I'm gonna like this movie. If this yeah. if I don't like this movie, I will be stunned. But from that point, on, I was like, Bo Burnham, we got something going on here. I'm seeing your movie three times this weekend. I have a good feeling about it just because of that. I'm looking forward to it. I second That's that. Awesome. I second that. I've seen it twice. It gets better with each viewing for me. Awesome. I can't wait to see each eighth grade. Going to check that one out this week as well. Uh, but my pick for the week, it's another one that you checked out at Sundance. I guess it's just That's that time of year where all the Sundance, Sundance makes movies the best are movies. coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is the one that landed on HBO, though. It's The Tale. Uh, it's a really, really compelling film that deals with a woman revisiting memories of her childhood and sort of reevaluating them and realizing how wrong some of the moments she experienced were. I think it does a really great job at illustrating the ways in which sometimes we apply adult thoughts to our childhood selves and sometimes we recontextualize childhood situations and, and reevaluate them when we are able to learn more about the situation. Uh, I, I love the way that it handled delving through these memories and interrogating them. But the thing that really, really uh, sold me on the movie was this one creative decision, uh, which I, I'm going to spoil here. It happens <laughs> only half an hour into the movie, so if you really don't want to hear it, you can click out of the podcast, I guess. But uh, they do this really interesting thing where initially in the flashbacks, they show Laura Dern's character at 13, and she looks pretty old. She looks like an older teenager. She looks. This is really cool, yeah. This is not spoiling anything for you. This is really cool. And then she goes and looks at a photo album at her mom's house and she sees that her memory of her was when she was older and then she was much younger at 13 and then from then on the memories are with a much they younger actress. They switch the actresses. And it makes these moments that were kind of like cute and flirty completely creepy. It's one of the most effective just casting wow. things that I've, I've seen done in a film. Wow. Uh, I think Damn. Jennifer Fox is the name of the documentary filmmaker who's making her first narrative movie here. Uh, I was I was really blown away by this movie. It's not... I think a lot of times stories like this can be difficult to watch. I didn't find it difficult to watch. It was unsettling, but I, I found it, you know, heartfelt and and by the end, really, really powerful. So I highly, highly recommend yeah. The Tale. That I'm one's available that on HBO. Uh, so if you got HBO Go, you can catch up with that whenever. So that's... All for this week's show. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, at ZShevich, or on Instagram, also at ZShevich. And check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash multiplexshowart. Where can people find more from you? You can find me at the A to Z Show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and, of course, YouTube. Follow me on those things, uh, because you can also follow me on the East Coast, which I'll be going all of September, starting down in Orlando. All the way, yeah, I'm going to be with Zach over there uh, in New Jersey, New York area. Yeah, then heading I up might to have to do an in-person intercut. <laughs> Yo, we might. <laughs> Is this the first time you talked about that? <laughs> no, I feel Never like we've before, but I keep forgetting about that. Yeah, probably. That'd be super weird. There needs to be a lag. <laughs> we'll, we'll be in the same place, yes. but we'll be in separate rooms. Yes, and you'll, and you'll cut the boxes like for this too. Yeah, I'll bring my entire set. That is one of the things. I'll be doing the East Coast thing, and I am legitimately bringing two comics, Perry and the uh, the Chicago Bulls lamp. So when I record nice. videos on the road, I'm still going to have like the same stuff that have, that have been in all my videos. Um, but yeah, I'm heading all the way up to Boston and then to TIFF, so any recommendations on the East Coast, definitely let me know. 
but uh, you can also find me on Chilling with Chase with this boy right here. Oh, Chilling with Chase is my podcast, uh, a spinoff of my main channel, A Few Mixed Reviews, which uh, I got a few videos cooking up that you'll see over the next two weeks. Uh, and then my other channel, Chase Cesarian, which is my name, uh, I'm going to be making a little kind of short film every single week, every Sunday. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see how much of that's true. We'll find out. But I'm looking forward Which to it. Which is my name. No. <laughs> but, of course, you can find all three of us here on the Intercut Podcast. Yes, you can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcatcher. I like Overcast. And then make sure you subscribe not just to the audio feed, but the video feed as well here on YouTube or at YouTube.com slash IntercutPod. You'll see our bright, smiling faces breaking down the latest in entertainment for you. Find new episodes of Intercut every Tuesday. And also like our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the social media pages, they're at Intercut Pod. Easy to find them. You'll get updates throughout the week from me, from Art, from Chase, from Bailey, from Amanda, from, from everybody that we've had on the show. I'm retweeting that stuff out, so and it's a good way to keep up if you want to see date. somebody on the show letting us, letting us know is dope, Tweeting them out. Yeah. I'm just saying it gets get some more people's attention. I'm like, waiting for Jake Paul to show up, podcast. dude. What's up? Yeah, yeah we waiting. got a lot of people commenting down below, like, bring on this guy, bring on that guy. We don't know all these people. Why don't you tweet at them? <laughs> and them if and they see a lot of you are the gateway to opening up those discussions. So yeah, if you want to mm. see anyone's tweeting us is, is cool, but definitely uh, tweet them at us. However, I don't know what the phrasing is there, but that'll definitely let us uh, let us know more people and open them up because if their audience base uh, lets them know about the podcast and that's super dope. And also, if you like the videos, definitely share them. That's like the biggest thing. Your guys' comments help. Your guys uh, sharing the videos and letting other people know about the podcast is super dope. But, I mean, we've been excited doing it. And I know one of the things that we keep saying we're going to do, but... <laughs> That will definitely open up in, in more time. Maybe even when we're doing the podcast together is the uh, interview segment where we get some of your guys' thoughts there. Yeah. But getting guests uh, in between, I think, has been really cool because we also not only learn more about like other people, but we get, we've got different opinions on the show. Yeah. yeah. We've yet to get so it's that. fun to get a variety of voices yeah. and a variety of styles. We've yet to get that one person on the show who's ready to duke it out. <laughs> yeah. We don't have a troll yet. I'm waiting. I can't wait. <laughs> That's how you know you made it. But uh, no, for real, just, uh, you know, you guys sharing the videos, you guys commenting on the videos, you guys, like, reaching out to the people you want to be on the podcast. We appreciate that, so. And letting us know what you want to see. You know, uh, somebody commented about seven seconds, so I made sure to bring that to, up to Art on last week's show. Uh, if there's stuff that we haven't been talking about that you want to see us talk about, we'll try and make some room for it. So thanks, as always, for watching. And until next time... I fucks with these wedges, though. <laughs>